Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. WTIC. Bada bing, bada boom. It's the Todd Feinberg Show. I think you need to listen to the voice of reason. Reason. We're always streaming on the Odyssey app. It's WTIC News Talk 1080. Thank you, Todd, and God bless America. It's the Todd Feinberg Show right now. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Later. Later. Uh, WTIC, good afternoon. Todd here with a guest in studio. I'm psyched for this hour because it's totally different. I have no idea what's coming down the pipe. Jason Scalora is here. He's a podcaster. He's a young guy, and he's got a podcast, and he's on TikTok, and before they canceled him, a bunch of other stuff. So, hi, Jason. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I can't hear myself, by the way. Oh, yeah, really? Your voice isn't coming through? No, it's not. Talk louder. I don't hear anything. You don't hear anything? Can you hear me? You, do you hear, yeah, you're good. Do you I, hear the air signal? All I hear is a, <laughs> like a fuzz. All right, we'll ta- take them off, and uh, we'll fix them. We'll fix them when we get a couple of minutes. Totally which, good. And um, uh, although you could try plugging them in over on that little box on the right and see if that works better. Sure. Um, so what's your, well, can you tell us your history, how you got in the, because you're in the motivational speaking realm, right? Is that what you do? This is perfect. Yeah. Uh, no, not really, honestly. Um, to be honest, I think it's, uh, for me, motivation is not... I don't like talking about motivation because motivation to me is, I don't want to say weak, but it's not very useful because it's sort of like the New Year's Year's resolution sort of thing where like motivation will help you get up, but motivation is only there when you feel good, right? right? When you're busy and you got a lot of stuff going on and, you know, you got problems at home and there's a lot on your plate, you're not, it's, it's really hard to just feel motivated. You can't turn on David Goggins on YouTube and just... Be like, you know what? I'm motivated. I'm going to hit the gym and then go to work and then I'm going to do all the stuff I know I should be doing. You're not going to feel motivated to do it. The The emotion part really has to be put to the side and you have to do what you need to do anyway. So in that aspect, I would say no, I'm not a motivational speaker. Um, I think- Well, motiv- what are you? Tell us what you are. I'm somebody that's advocating for people to live the best possible lives that they can to- in turn, affect as many people as they possibly can to make the world a better place. Yeah, but you've already—they've already gone off to their next event, waiting for you to describe what you're doing with that description. Like, what's a pithy way to describe what you do? I would say I'm trying to empower people with knowledge in any which way, in any form, <laughs> to get them to understand that they have the power to change their own lives. All right, so you want to max—you want to teach people to maximize their own potential. Or help them Correct. get across the river that's uh, running between them and, and the promised land. I want to empower them to do it themselves. Right. Yeah. And how did you, you're only 22? Is that 21. Right? How did you get into this line of work at such an early age? So I, I, it's it's funny because, you know, people, it's funny too. I don't know if you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is. No. Um, he's he's um, a big business guy. He's super big on social media, whatever. But he 
um, he ta- he makes fun of the 21 year old life coaches because of the lack of life experience. So how are you supposed to be a good life coach if you mm-hmm. have barely lived? But life? some things you just own. <laughs> you know, you were probably doing that when you were two. You were probably coaching people. Yeah. They just didn't know it. I I would disagree. I think actually <laughs> back then. Um, I mean, up until my junior year of high school, I don't even think the words personal development ever came out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. The way I got into it was, uh, and not to, you know, get anybody's personal business into it, but family life at home sort of hit the fan. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, then I had this conversation with my friend Yvonne, and you and I were talking about this over oh, the phone. Okay. And he really... Uh, he really struck me when we have we were having this conversation because I was telling him about what had happened, and I was just complaining and I was blaming and I was doing anything and everything to do. Okay, so he gave you a slap upside the head. Sort of. He basically told me, "Hey, man, you've spent your whole life not taking responsibility. Now is a time where if you actually were to make a change and do this and and finally take things into your own hands, and in regardless of who's to blame for what's going on and and how you feel and your current situation, if you were to actually turn these." turn your life around and actually start taking responsibility, things would things would start to go much so better. So he you. was saying you're not a victim. You can own your own life instead of sitting around blaming other people. Well, it wasn't even that I'm not, I wasn't a victim. It was that even though I am a victim, you should take responsibility for the things you can take responsibility for. Mm-hmm. It's not that— That's really good. Yeah. How old was this guy? My age. So and we, how old were you? We were, we were both 17 or 18 at the time. Wow. That's really good insight. Yeah, he's very insightful. Sharp guy, guy huh? Very, very insightful guy for sure. All right, so keep going with this story. So he told you whatever's going on with your parents and your family and all that stuff. Uh, it's your life, mm. so don't look at it through the prism of your uh, your. This is a burden you have to carry around. You get to choose your burdens. Right. In a sense, it was you know acknowledge what has happened, accept what has happened. But after you fully have digested what happened, there's no use for anybody for you to continue to focus on what has happened and the woe is me because it's not going to make you better at all. It will feel good in the, feel good in the moment. And I tell this to people all the time. You, a lot of times people fall into the trap of becoming complainers because all they do is complain. But the reason why they continue to complain is because every time they complain about their problems, they get attention for their problems. Mm. And your brain doesn't understand logically what's going on. All it knows is, it's weird. Every time I complain, <laughs> I feel good. Let's complain some more. So, so you're, getting, um, you're getting good whatever's being uh, let out into your brain. I forget what those things are called that uh, make you feel good. Dopamine? Yeah, like you're getting dopamine yeah. for, for being a victim. Exactly. Well, it's not even just dopamine. It's dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin. It's it's all the neurochemicals. <laughs> all the are, good stuff. All the good stuff, because that's what you're associating with complaining with. But it's, it's So a that tra- becomes an identity right. that you look forward to jumping into, because everyone pours this yep. attention onto you, which pours yep. those, uh, yep. what do you call those chemicals? Uh, neurochemicals. Neurochemicals into your, into your blood. Right. Into your brain. Yeah. And so that's how I had grown up, and that's- who I was. And it actually hit me one time. I was having this conversation um, and I was sitting there at the lunch table in high school. And at the time, this was before I started any of my personal development stuff. And he looked at me and he said, dude, you are the biggest complainer I have ever met in my entire <laughs> life. I have never heard somebody complain more in my entire life. And for like two days, I was like hurt 
and like you were shook. pissed. I was yeah, I was angry as hell. I I didn't know how to react. And at the time, I was like, screw that kid. Uh, and like, wow, this ex- is how you know somebody really got you. Huh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And reflecting on it now, it was the most true statement ever. All I wanted to do was be a victim because when I could complain about my problems, whatever, how big or small they were, that's what I would do. And then people would give me attention for it, feel bad for it, say, oh, my God, that's not your fault. I'm so sorry. And give me attention, love and connection, which I was actually searching for because I was complaining. And so I didn't know any better. But all I did was complain, complain and complain. And then when people would give me attention for my problems, I was like, this is great. Let's keep doing this. But obviously, <laughs> it keeps you stuck in the same place. We're talking to Jason Scalora. He is a, uh, I've, I don't know what the three-word <clears throat> description of you is yet. I guess I have to wait, unless a, you've thought of one. A three-word description? Yes. <sighs> you said something that caught my interest, a personal something. but but um, Personal responsibility enabler. Personal responsibility enabler. That's good. That's three words. Yeah. I would say that's the best I got right now. All right. So, well, you're an enabler of, of people who uh, want to change the track their lives on, and mm. maybe, and that's a pretty good thing. Yeah. And and you're so you discovered this ability because you did it for yourself, and then what was the next step in that? Did that require, right. you know, you did an interview, I think, last week on your podcast with, with uh, Mike Leibowitz, who we have on all the time. Right. And, and um, Michael describes what he did in prison where he he realized that he had to change the way he processed life right. that because he wanted to be a gangster right. and that's how why he was in prison because right. that was he had that was his chosen profession mm. and then he decided in prison what was wrong with him mm. and he wanted to have a better life moving forward mm-hmm. and he decided he was going to do that by correcting the things inside of him that needed to be corrected mm-hmm. i've never heard anyone describe doing this and i think of it as being a superhuman task mm. too because most most of us are too defensive or or too interested in making sure those uh, those uh, neurochemicals you describe are still pouring on us for doing the bad right, thing. Right. And we're not willing to let go of the old us to do the new one. 100%. He actually did it. And he describes having gone through each piece of his psychology that he learned from a professional person what criminals, what, what the psychology uh, verticals are right. that they need to change. And he rebuilt each of those things. Right. And... He, when you talked with Mike, when you did your interview with him for mm-hmm. your podcast, did you get some kind of resonance? Of Absolutely. That's, it's ironic you say that. I Right after the conversation was over, and especially when I was doing the whole editing process of you know, just rewatching the whole entire thing over and over again and, and editing and chopping it up for to produce the full edited podcast, I just kept thinking to myself, to myself over and over again, he essentially has, you know, his life experience is completely different, obviously, but- his journey and my journey are exactly the same, except he had it on in an extreme, extreme level where the drugs, the violence, the prison, like the lessons that he's pulled out of that through the philosophers and through the psychology that he studied are the same philosophies and lessons that I've learned through my studies as well, mm-hmm. except he had to go through a different sort of experience than I have. And this is actually one of the most profound things that that I've learned to overcome and understand over the past couple of years, which is a lot of people wait until life has to kick them in the butt before they decide to actually learn what they need to learn. Sometimes, Like you, you've got to be 380 pounds before you suddenly decide you want to go back exactly, to your high school weight. Exactly. But the 
the the reality is you do not have to wait until you've hit rock bottom to make a change. Well, you need to be motivated, though. So rock, bo- rock bottom <clears throat> is the motivator, maybe because you're free of the ego stuff and the expectations. We're talking to Jason right. Scalore. We've got to take a quick break. We'll Absolutely. talk more. Stay with us on WTIC. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Oh, this is fun. We're talking to Jason Scalore. If you want to call in, feel free. You don't have to call in for advice, but if you did have a problem that you wanted, it would be fun to put Jason to the test. He's 21 years old. He's way, you know, he's just a baby. He has no right to have any wisdom inside of him, and yet he does. And <laughs> and uh, that's how, you know, they say the Lord works in strange ways. So um, um, I'm uh, an atheist, but I still have to use that expression because I don't know how else to say it. Right. You know, the chance of life, it just happens how it happens. And, and um, it's not to puff you up where you're talking about ego stuff and all. But if, if somebody wants to, if, like if you've got a crisis going on in your life or a situation or whatever where you could, we could test Jason and see what he comes up with, uh, that'd be fun. 860-522-9842. So you were talking about this reaction you had to Leibowitz and how his story of self-correction connected with yours. And do we have something else we had to say about that? Uh, No. I mean, basically it was just, it was really profound to me because it was a face-to-face conversation with somebody that had spent 25 years in prison. Which is... Unbelievable. It's, I mean, it's unfathomable to me. Like, I don't even remember over, you know, 12 years ago. Like, I have a couple memories. Like, I'm only 21. Like, he has spent that entire time <laughs> and plus four years. Like, that is, cr- I haven't even been doing my personal development journey for over four years. Like, yeah. To me, it's like, to time is so, the, the time that he has spent in there and, and behind bars is unfathomable to me and to think that he has come across these lessons with such little resources and in an environment where i'm assuming it's not much there can't be any environment that's significantly more hostile towards right. self-reflection uh, and improvement ex- exactly with i mean the most disagreeable human beings on earth and the people that want to bring you down the most all trapped in one area together for 25 years for him to come to those realizations is is absolutely profound, but to to think that we have come to the same conclusions or to very similar conclusions mm-hmm. is was super super interesting to me. Yeah, that's great. I, we were I was talking to Mike last night about um, about cultivation, mm. and because he he was talking about being in prison and you're dealing with this noise all the time and you're dealing with people who are in some kind of primitive state sometimes and are are interfering with your head you know with where you want your head to be Mm. and and it made me think about cultivation how this is really what life is about you know you you try to go on a path and you want to get good at something and you want to figure out how to get from here to there and of course um i tell the story all the time about britney spears because i i read an interview once where her um they were interviewing the friends of her mother's to find out what Britney was like as a kid. And they Mm -hmm. were saying, was her mother a stage mom and pressuring Britney? And they said, no, Britney 
is the opposite. She was the stage mom for herself. And mm. she would wake her mother up in the morning and say, come on, we have to drive for two hours. You got to get up out of bed because we're going to the beauty contest this right. morning or whatever. She was the one driving it. And it's from going on that little journey yourself day by day, step by step, where you make your progress into a new zone of the thing you want to be good at. Right. And then you accumulate those all those mini journeys into larger, like years. Right. Then you're so far away from where everybody else is that everyone looks and says, whoa, how does Britney Spears have the courage to do that? You know, mm. How come she can orchestrate all that and manage all those people and know how to write a song to go with the dance moves she wants to do? And, all? and it's unfathomable if you haven't made a similar journey yourself. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. You've picked a path and you're making fast movement down that path. So it's pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, a big part of it is my personality. I mean, I've always been the little stubborn Italian boy. That's always who I've been. I've always been, you know, the even though I wasn't the best athlete, I was always the most competitive. I mean, without a doubt, I was always the kid on the field. I mean, when I had very little emotional control. That's awesome. I was always, I mean, it, this wasn't so awesome, but I was always the kid on the field that yelled at his teammates that nobody wanted to play with because uh -huh. I would, didn't have any control over my competitive drive. Yeah. And in turn, that cultivated with my lack of emotional stability really resulted in people not wanting to be around me, especially in competitive environments. Let me, let me interrupt because I want to get a call in. What do I even punch to put a call in the air with this new system? Do you know, do I hit go? Does that make it go in the air? What makes a call go? Well, what do you press in there? Does the one button, like if I want line one, do I hit one? Okay, thank you. Hey, Don, welcome to WTIC. Jason Scalora is our guest. Oh, wait a sec. I got to press uh, another button. Yeah, now you're on the air. Go ahead. Am I on the air? You are. <laughs> Talk. Hello, Jason. Hey, Don, Hello. how are you? Todd, is it? Yes. Yes. Uh, I can't tell you how, uh, is it, how long and painful the story is. I'll just give you a little quick background. I've been practicing it a lot because I've been talking to a lot of people and having limited, excuse me, limited results. So we lost my little brother to a fentanyl overdose in 2016. Sorry to hear, Sorry that. To hear that. I found him myself and we, we had gone sailing in the leukemia cup mm -hmm. the, the day before. And then in 2019, both my folks went to the hospital on the same day. Mom didn't make it home. And then my father was placed behind my back in an assisted living facility. My father is a Vietnam era Navy veteran who qualifies for full benefits. Okay, I'm sorry and, to interrupt, but we have okay, like 90 seconds before I have to go to break. Oh, so I, oh. I'd like you to go to the pivot. So you had tragedy, major tragedy in your life, and I'm more interested right. in the lesson. I'm trying to figure it out. My father's a veteran and he's been in private pay facilities and I've been trying to fight it and I can't, I don't know. I, I'm calling in desperation, I guess. Wait, so you want some guidance from Jason? So, and he, yes. And this he, is I, awesome. I'd love some guidance from your program. Uh, my father's a veteran and they've taken all of his money. Yeah. And it's a long, painful story, but that, that's the, the gist of it is that my father was put in an assisted living facility the day, the very day after my mother passed away because she had 
she had tricked him into signing his POA over to her. Wow. And just, All right. So on on do you, can you hold on for a few minutes? We I have like be happy to hold on. Okay. We'll return to you, Don. After all the rest of my life to finish this <laughs> thing with my father in the state of Connecticut. Well, I don't think and Jason has that much time, but we'll, we'll see well, if we can focus in can, uh, and get a, uh, get an answer for you. Cause this is fascinating in terms of what, like, how do you even assess a, a problem like this and, and where do you go first? So Jason Scalore is here. He is a podcaster and a self-help kind of personality. And I forget the words I'm supposed to use to describe it, That's but totally we'll, we'll talk funny. more after news coming up on WTIC. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Why wait? Come on. Oh, come on. Why wait? You can rant right now at 860-751-4698 on the Todd Feinberg Show. All right. I'm here. WTIC, thanks for being here. We've got Jason Scalora in studio. He's a uh, 70-year-old, 21-year-old, and he's a... um, He's a specialist, as best you can be a specialist at anything at age 21. I guess. In, um, in solving life problems. So Don called in, and, and Don's got an amazing story of uh, family tragedy and stuff. And Don, you have a question you want to ask of Jason? Wait a sec. Yeah, you're there. Go ahead. Hello, I'm here. Yes, go ahead. Um, ask him a question. All right. Um, I appreciate the prompting. It's still it's such a long story. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe yeah, the story I, I, is less important, the specifics, than, than the question. Yeah, than what the question is. I suppose the question would be, um, how do I remain completely mindful? Uh, the tragedy in my family is a different story, I suppose, but it, it's it's such a degree that it encompasses my life. And even occasionally at work, I'll, I'll be distracted. Right. Uh, so, so your your question then is how you how move past I, how it? Do I, how do I keep from being distracted and remaining mindful constantly? So, uh, again, I, I guess mean, it's kind of a meditation thing. I, 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 I worked on, I've been working on personal development for a long time. And uh, the meditation and the concentration, I'm finding that my concentration is being broken by um, my situation. And I just was thinking that he could. Yeah, talk to Jason. He's right here. Talk to Jason. Jason, perhaps perhaps you have um, any different or not necessarily opposing, but uh, uh, methods of remaining completely concentrated on your current Well, in, in my life experience, I haven't experienced anything to that extreme. So I can only give you what I think I would potentially do in this hypothetical situation because I don't live your life and I haven't had those experiences. Hypothetical, I appreciate that. So, so I can give you what I think that I would want to focus on. The first thing for sure that I would 100% make sure that I never do 
is get attention for the problems you have. It's not that you're not a victim, but it's that you never go out of your way to bring it up when it's not necessary to bring it up. If your brain, even for one second, allows itself to think, you know what, I can take these issues that I have right now and use them to get attention, you are never going to let go of that problem. You're going to talk about it till the day you are dead. It right. sounds like it sounds like Don. You appreciate that very much. It sounds like he might be stuck in this moment, and that's why he's saying he's got concentration problems. So it right. might be something other than attention that has him locked in. Right. I, that that's was the true. that true. was the prerequisite uh, to I, to anything. Hang on a sec, Don. That was the prerequisite to anything that you're going to do, because if you want to have any practices that are going to help you be mindful, those are going to be great and helpful. But the biggest hindrance is going to be getting attention and feeling significant for having those problems. As sick and twisted as it may sound, people do that far more often than you may Okay, think. so where do you go next, Jason? So where you go next is there's a couple things. Yeah, I, uh, great. I, I really, really appreciate uh, your concern. Absolutely. If I were in that situation... I would focus on my daily habits for yourself because you can't help anybody if you don't help yourself first. Because if you're in a situation you. this dire, Thank hang you. on, Don, let him finish yes. the thought before you appreciate oh, I'm, I'm him. The, the, most, the, the most important thing is going to be sorry. for you to take care of your mental health and to take care of your physical health. If those things are out of whack, that is your foundation and there's nowhere to grow from there because you're not going to be in check with yourself. Now, if you're not doing anything to take care of your physical body and you're not doing anything to take care of your mental health, there's going to be no growing from there. Mindfulness is not going to be a question of how can I be more mindful because you're not going to be able to be in a situation where you're going to have the strength to work on becoming more mindful because you don't have the foundation to get there. So if you do not have a strong routine to take care of your physical body and a strong routine to take care of your mental health, whether it's journaling, meditation, whether it's going to therapy, whatever it means for you is whatever it means for you. It's completely subjective. But those the two things that you need to focus on and you cannot write off. Don, what pops into your head hearing that from Jason? Uh, I think that's great. I, I, I think that, that that's probably exactly what I need to do, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate Are you inclined to be disciplined about those things? Actually, I am. Um, uh, what, I, I set tile on the shoreline. I live in Winstead. I have an hour and a half commute each way every day, but I, we do a lot of high fancy stuff on, on the shoreline, Madison, Guilford, Clinton, Westbrook. All right, let's stay focused stuff. on what Jason said. And I'm saying focus, and I get an opportunity every day to concentrate on things that I need to do, and, I, and taking care of myself is not, <laughs> thank you so much. It's taking care of myself isn't usually at the very top of the list, and uh, that, consideration that it gave me is so much appreciated because now I can put that and have, you know, a professional who said, yeah, well, that's what you got to do. And well, Don, um, let, let me, let me tell you this. First of all, I'm, I'm not a professional. I'm just per, a person giving you advice based on my own experiences. However, that hour and a half commute to work, and this is for anybody listening, that hour and a half commute to work should be your online university. You, if you have three hours a day every single day, there should not be an ounce yeah. of music playing in your car when you're, when you're going to and from. What, every, do you, what do you recommend? I would recommend whatever you feel pulled towards. But in my estimation, the thing that pulled me out was every single time I was in the car, it was no entertainment, it was no music, there was nothing except for a podcast, a seminar, something that was not mental candy that was on and that was guy. helping me learn. 
Whatever you want to look up, YouTube is an online university that mm -hmm. is free oh, for absolutely. everyone. Everything is there. Yep. Right? Everything is there. You just have to be willing to have the discipline to turn off the music and, and, and turn off the mental candy. That is going to be your biggest asset, along with developing a strong physical routine. Don, anything you want to ask of Jason? Well, I do have a little bit I'd like to say. I'm not sure I want to ask right this second, but I have my own YouTube channel, which is Solar Passive, but there's this wheel. There's this thing that Johann Bessler made in the 1700s that still works. They have to unchain it. Bessler's wheel. If you look that up, you're going to be kind of amazed. All right, what's the wisdom and in that for something us? That I, that's something that I use for uh, inspiration because I think I figured out how to make the wheel that never stops spinning. So that's what you think on. That's what you meditate well, I on. I try to. I well, I meditate on really greenery and flowers and and really mellow stuff because some of the other things that I choose. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty lost. My family's been lost, and I'm trying to recoup it. And I appreciate that Jason told me that I'd take care of myself first. Yeah, that's probably the best best advice that I could get. At this well, point. especially and with uh, when you're trying you to so recover much. from tragedy. Thank you for the call. It's it's great to talk with you, Don. All right, I may communicate in the future with the story. All right, if anybody's interested. Yeah, thank you. Definitely, thank you. Any other thoughts on Don? Um, I I would say the the number one thing that comes into my mind, and again, it's coming from a perspective of I grew up in with, with you know that story is not even comparable to the things that I've gone through in terms um, of it's way more extreme. Ex exactly. There's I have not had anything to that severity in my life. So take it for what it's worth. I'm also 21. Take that for what it's worth. I don't know the particulars of a situation. However, from learning from the people that have gone through similar situations or comparatively, even though you can't really compare, things that may be considered worse, the number one trend that you see with all those people is that they dispense with their emotions. It's not that they don't invalidate them. It's not that they invalidate their emotions. They can compartmentalize. It's that they don't take those into account when it comes time to do what they know they need to do to mm -hmm. make their life better. It doesn't matter how they feel when they get up in the morning. They're going to go to the gym. Their shoes are laced, and they go. So you're talking about uh, developing a muscle, so to speak, for a, for an ability to do a certain thing me uh, methodically every exactly. day. Yes, that and, and along with the fact that I think that one of the most important things people need to understand is when there is a hindrance in your life and you don't have control over it and you are a victim. I'm not saying that you're not a victim, but if you are a victim of something, that you need to implement the philosophy of never use a situation— as an excuse or a crutch in a situation where it doesn't need to be used as, situ as, a, as a crutch in that mm -hmm. situation. If you don't absolutely have that as a 100% excuse, never use it because then that fogs the line and you'll never know the difference between when you actually can't do something because of this of this incident or whatever's going on. So is it human nature to magnify the bad thing that you really want to start um, compartmentalizing to, and putting in a box so you can try to manage it. But is the the instinct normally to do the opposite and to magnify? Um, I don't know. I think that as a society, as I mean, from what I've have as my understanding is that we've 
gone into a place where everybody thinks that everybody's victim blaming rather than taking responsibility. Mm -hmm. So it really just depends. I would say where we are as a society now is that we tend to want to use things as a crutch because it's easier than taking responsibility, but that's not going to lead you to a happier and healthier life. All right, we're going to take a break. Jason Scalore is here. Before we talk more, we have you know maybe five minutes after this break. Uh, make sure that we start off by you promoting your uh, presence on wherever you are online. But let's go to break, and then we'll do that with Jason Scalore. It is fun talking to him. And if if you have a question, give us a call eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. Now back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC. News Talk 1080. Good afternoon. It's WTIC. And Jason Scalora is here. So where do people find you online before you get to Ruth? You really just look up my name on any of the platforms that you want to find me on. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, heading back on TikTok soon. Um, <laughs> you can just look up my name, Jason Scalora, J-A-S-O-N-S-C-A. Yeah, but, but they want to hear you talking or doing something. Like so YouTube, I have a YouTube uh and a Spotify. You can find my podcast on there. It's called The Jason Scalora Show. Mm-hmm. And you can find my podcast episodes on there. Um, All right. I'm sorry I interrupted you when you're spelling the last name. No. Uh, J-A-S-O-N-S-C-A-L-O-R-A. All right. Jason Scalora. Google will tell you where he is. And let's talk to Ruth. Hi, Ruth. You're on WTIC. Uh, hi, guys. Hi, Jason. Nice to um, hear you talking. Hi there. Especially about being... 21 and getting this far in life. Um, I'm 71, so I think that I um, outage all of both of you and a combined Ruth. <laughs> yeah, out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I th- the question that I have isn't really a full question. You went too fast, and I was driving when I heard you um, listing those things about um, how to stay on track of your own self and. Um, I per- perhaps it, the best thing would be just to listen to a repeat of your podcast. But what I want to talk about is what you said about being angry. And I've been, I, I've been a registered nurse for a hundred years, longer than I've been alive. And I um, work in long-term care, grouchy old people, given they deserve their circumstances, but they're still grouchy and there's still very, there's many that are angry. Mm. I am working at a, a volunteering at a church and there's a couple of, old timers in the church that will not let go of their anger. It comes forth all of the time at all the meetings at all of the, um, uh, activities that we have this anger. And I've been angry too. I know that uh, there's reasons to be angry, but what you said about being angry to get attention just hit me in the forehead and I was driving. So it was really dangerous. Um, and I, I thought, you know that meme that says I was this many years old when I learned this? Mm. That's what I felt like driving in the car. Um, Anger gets the attention. My anger used to get me um, the attention. These old ladies, the the patients, whomever in life, it's getting them attention. And why would they give that up if they know no other way or they have no um, introspection um, about themselves? Why would they give it up? They're seeking attention. And we just have a couple minutes left, Ruth. Is this something you want to hear uh, Jason address? Well, when we were dri- when I was driving, he was saying, um, anger gets you this and this and this, and this is the way you what you need to do to come out of that anger. 
and to refocus one's life and one's anger. And? That was about 15 minutes ago. Well, I would like him to, to reiterate it. Okay. Jason, okay. reiterate. So I'm not sure exactly what I was talking about. I might have been talking about my competitive nature and how my anger allowed me to get attention. Um, but the best thing that I could possibly do for myself was to be consciously aware, as much as I possibly could be, of when I was allowing anger to be a tool to feel good. So if I was getting angry and then getting attention for it, then my brain equated, okay, anger equals attention, which means anger equals feeling good. And every time I would do that and I would catch myself doing that, that would be a repetition in the positive. And, and I would look back and reflect and say, okay, that was the time where I did it again. I fell back into that bad habit. Let's learn and not, not to do that again. So the next time I felt angry, I wouldn't allow myself to outwardly express it in a manner where I would get attention for it so that eventually that habitual habit of trying to feel angry to get attention would eventually fade away. Now, it's not going to be perfect and it's not going to be a not messy process. It's not black and white. It's not, you're not going to wake up one morning and then be perfectly fine, but habitually but it starts learning. you on a journey down a different path. Exactly. You got that, Ruth? Yep, I did. I wrote very fast. I hope I can read it. And <laughs> yeah. thank you, guys, both of you. I am going to listen to your podcast, Jason. I think that even at 71, I have a lot to, li um, to learn. It, if you're breathing, you got to be learning, Ruth. I know. I know. And That's the truth. Uh, sadly, I didn't learn how important that was till I turned, you know, a certain corner. <laughs> That's all right. You learn faster the older you get. Thank you so much yeah. for calling and, and uh, firing those questions. Thank at, you very much. Yeah, that was great. All right, we got one minute. Give us a close. Jason Scalora is his name, and you can Google him or uh, look him up on any of the platforms like YouTube. If there's anything I want to leave for people to understand is that even if things are going as horribly as they possibly could be, there is still some way, somehow, shape, or form where you can take personal responsibility for something that you can control. And if your focus is always on the things that you can't control and your focus is always on the things that have happened mm. to you, you're always going to be focusing on the things that are not going to do a single thing for you or for anybody else. In your lifetime, you're going to know about a thousand people and those thousand people are going to know a thousand people well enough to have an impact, which means you're one person away from impacting a million people and you are two people away from impacting a billion. That's too much math for me. But I like the image I have in my mind is getting your train on the track. You've got to lay the track and then you're then you can get a smooth ride. Absolutely. So every day you got to be laying that track. Jason Scalora, very impressive guy you are, regardless of age, and it'll be fun talking to you through the years, and I hope we have a chance to do that. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to talk to Mark Christopher, who's also impressive and exciting to talk to. He's in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Mark, what's going on? Are there cars on the road? What's going on? Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.